Thank you, Jesus. Let's give God glory for what Jesus has done for us so we can remember that. And let's also praise God for the Gideons and Gideons all over the world that put uh, Bibles in the hands of people that are growing in the faith and people have never heard the good news of Jesus. Let's praise them and thank John as he leaves today. Let's give God glory. Gideons have been helping people grow in God's word for 123 years. I did a little research this week. Uh, Their group started in a small town in Wisconsin. But at this point, in 2022, they have now uh, delivered the good news into over 200 um, billion, no, excuse me, 2 billion people's hands in 200 countries. And their work is still growing. Uh, So if you would like to know more about the Gideons or be generous to their uh, ministry here in Bond County, you want to be a part of that, please talk to John. Uh, They meet right here in this building uh, on a regular basis, and they're doing great things. This month, we have been focused on growing deep in God's Word. But I want to give you a bigger picture of our grow uh, plans and the way God is leading us to grow. There's three main aspects that we believe God's called us to grow in, and it's this. We're committed to grow out witnessing with the gospel. That's that evangelism side of things. That's what what you saw John do in the story of the woman at the restaurant. This idea that we're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, so we're going to grow out with the gospel. We're also going to grow deep, being devoted to the word. And then we're going to grow young, walking with one. And here's the concept of that. Walking with one is this idea that each of us, whether we're John's age, my age, or one of the teenagers' age on on the stage today, that we would all identify someone who is younger in the faith than us, and walk with them, sharing Jesus with them and growing. It's this mentoring idea. It's discipleship. What a beautiful thing. By the way, this may have been one of the youngest appearances that we've had on stage in a long time. Our leaders are growing old and growing young together. I love to see the the full body of Christ serving together. So let's give God glory for that, for our leaders. But this month, we are focusing on growing deep in God's Word. And somebody would say, well, why? Why do you want to grow deep in God's word? Get this. This is radical. Maybe one of the things that will be hard to understand, but we're going to grow deep in God's word because it's God's word. It's not, that's not rocket science, but, but it's so important. Sometimes we can overcomplicate how we can get to know God, how we can grow deep with him. There's no better way than to be devoted to spend time in his word, the holy word. So, so here's really the first movement of this message. We're going to grow deep being devoted to the Word because it's God's Word. I believe each one of us from time to time need to take a moment to remember, to slow down, to refocus, to recommit, to revalue that this Bible is God's Word. We take it for granted. We sometimes uh, can disrespect it by the way we treat it. Too often we'll we'll say this is God's word, but does it affect our lives? But the reality is uh, the words on in this book, the the words on your uh, device screen, whether it's a phone or a a, a computer, the words on your wall that's painted or, or on a sticker, the words that have been placed in your heart are the word of God. And he desires to reveal his will and his message of the good news to you. Man, think about that. The God that created heaven and earth, the God that has more power than we can ever know, the God that has no beginning or end, the God that gave us his one and only son so that we could have salvation through him to be with him forever, that God has written his word to you and to you and and to all of us. 
And, and we need to respect it. We need to cherish it as, as the true God. His, his, his one word. It's radical to think about this. That he loves you enough to say, I want you to know me fully. And I want to know you fully. And we want to be in a relationship together. Uh, another way that I know it's God's word, the Bible tells us it's God's word. Now, this, this is logical thinking, but, but look what the word of God says about itself. It was in our reading from this week, as Paul writes Timothy. He says, all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that the servant of God, that's all of us who have given our lives to him, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As we read this, God is equipping us. He's training us for whatever he calls us to do. And this word that is from God's mouth himself, he is wanting us to be empowered to do his, his will and his work. That is remarkable. It's a remarkable claim, what the Bible says about itself, that this is from the, the mouth of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit from its authors to us. Hey, but any book can claim to be God's word. There are more than one book that claims to be God's word. Uh, there are books in chapter 7, maybe it's chapter 1, or the last words. There have been books written over time by men and women to say, hey, this is from the mouth of God. Does that make them God's word? No. So what sets apart the Bible to be different, to literally be the word of God? One of the biggest factors, it has been tested over time and proven over thousands of years to be trustworthy of what it says and what it does and what it claims. Every generation, I don't know if you've noticed, and our generation actually may be doing it more than any, it has doubters and skeptics that, that will look through the Word of God and say, okay, this is going to be the time where we debunk this, where we uh, declassify it, where we disprove it, and the Bible will forever not be meaningful like we've always thought. And there's people that try to disprove it over and over again. But time and time again, historically, scientifically, and prophetically, it has proven to be true and trustworthy. I mean, think about just some of these stats. It was written by 40 different authors over about 2,000 years on three different continents, uh, and it speaks over hundreds of matters, uh, and all of them are tremendously uh, consistent and cohesive to God's big picture of salvation through Jesus. The Bible, time and time again, as it predicts something prophetically, it answers the call. For example, like that there would be a a child born to a virgin. And people from the east would come to worship him and, and he would be crucified on a cross, but, but not a bone would be broken. And there will be a day the prophecy that he will return will also come true. Time and time again, the Bible fulfills these prophecies. And it can be trusted. Think about some of these stats. As I was doing research on the Gideons this week, I found this out. In 1455, uh, there was a book that was printed for the first time uh, with movable type. And, and the creators of this movable type press said, we want our first book to really have value that we print on this press, to, to really change the world forever. And you know what they chose to print? The Bible. What, what a great testimony. But it's also the book that's been most sold over the course of history. It's also the most translated book. It's the most quoted book. It's also the most persecuted book. There have been many times where it has been tried to be eradicated from culture, from, from groups, from families, from nations. But like a weed, it just won't go away. 
It it thrives under the hardest of conditions. In fact, uh, still today, it will be sold more than any other new book. In fact, they they estimate 100 million copies will be sold this year alone. Just look at some of these stats. We believe uh, over the course of history that there have been 6 billion Holy Bibles distributed in the world. The the closest book that we know of to have any uh, high level of uh, copying is the Quran, 800 million. And then there's a Chinese dictionary, 400 million. And then the Tale of Two Cities, one of the greatest literary works of all time, is a distant fourth with 200 million. And then the Boy Scouts and the Book of Mormon comes in at 150. That's the order, okay? What a tremendous testimony of just the value that our history, our world has put on this and God's promotion of it through the world. But with all that said, with all the science and prophecy and stats, I will never be able to convince any one of you that this is God's holy word by that. Just won't. I mean, I could go on the rest of the day with stats that that make it highly uh, uh, just valued and great moment of history, but the only way that you are personally ever going to know is by a step of faith. There are certainly a lot of things you could look at to, to have your mind wrap your brain around the fact that it could be God's word, but there's a moment where you have to take a step of faith and say, I believe this is the word of God, and it's trustworthy to change my life. I want you to know this is what I believe. I believe this is actually God's word for my life and for the world. It's an epic love story of God wanting to be in relationship with us. How many of you have a grandchild, a niece or nephew, or a child in children's church today? Raise your hand if you know a child in children's church. A lot of us do here. They are learning right now this month that the Bible is God's epic love story to the world, to them. So today at lunch, as you travel home, maybe you're hanging out this afternoon, ask them, hey, what do you believe about God's word? And hear what they say. I hope they're going to say this is God's love story, his message of how Jesus loved us enough to provide a way of salvation. That It's God's word. And then I would encourage you, if you believe it's God's word, give them a testimony that I believe this is the word of God, that it's useful for teaching and training all of God's people for their ministry before God. The the kids are hearing that. Will you testify to that before them? Did you hear about uh, what happened in one of our kids' ministry classes in Sunday school? The teacher was teaching recently about history. The Old Testament, how God's word was alive then and through the prophets. Uh, But during that time, the great power was placed in kings and queens. And one little boy says, yeah, I I know kings and queens are powerful. That teacher quickly said to the whole class, but no matter how powerful a king and queen may be, there's always a higher power at hand. And the little boy said, oh, I know. Mom and dad says it's always in the aces, okay? (laughs) Kids, Kids will get that kind of ideas. But here's what I want you to know. In all truthfulness, we believe the highest power that we can base our life on, the greatest knowledge as elders and ministers of this church that we have put before us to guide us and to direct this entire church is that we value biblical truth. That is our number one first value that we guide our decisions by and make a course for this church and our ministry we're going to be doing. Interestingly enough, right before the pandemic hit, we established our core values and we're like, is it too basic to, to say that we value biblical truth? And no, we, we committed to it, and it was the number one. Guys, I can't help but tell you uh, multiple times during the pandemic where we went back to making a decision, what would, what would the Word of God lead us to say? And it guides our thinking. It guides our directions. We value biblical truth. Why? Because it's God's perfect Word. 
Now, if we really view it that way as God's holy word, it changes the way we interact with it, the way our life revolves around it. But how? Here, here's the first way I want to submit to you, personally and as a church and as brothers and sisters in Christ. If we're going to grow deep, we must completely submit to God's word. We've got to submit to it as authority. Think about it this way. If God's word truly came from heaven, from him, it is a greater and has higher value than any other thought or thinking the world has ever seen. Greater than any human wisdom, any other practice. It's more important than, than anything that I may know, think, or even feel. Uh, God's word trumps all that. So take a step further. If it's greater than anything I can think or even feel, I would submit to you it's greater than anything you can know, think, or feel. And I know that may be offensive to you, but we value God's word from the word of God himself from heaven. So it means that it's more important or more valuable than anyone's thinking or feeling anywhere. And I know that's not politically correct or popular, but it's true. Here's how it applies to me first. When my thoughts, opinions, and yes, feelings differ from God's word, God's word wins. Just remember this simple thing. The word wins. Some people say, well, I love God. I really love what Jesus did for me on the cross. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. But the idea of really listening to a, a book that was written so long ago, it, it seems to be uh, meaningless today. I, I don't think I can do that. But look what God's word says in Jesus, his words himself. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. He says, obey my teachings, obey, obey my words. If my thinking is different than the word, then guess who's wrong? I'm wrong. You've heard me say that before. One of the things, I'm not too proud to say this, when my thinking is different than the word, I'm wrong. It happens. You can ask Tiffany. She'll, she'll tell you, okay? She, she'll let you know that, that my thinking is often wrong, but, but when it's wrong compared to God's word, it has to change in that way. So think about this. It doesn't matter what you think, what I think, what the culture thinks, what the government thinks, even what the thinking of old uh, church tradition is. If it's different than God's word, God's word wins. Its thinking has the authority over all of us. And in that, we can grow deep because it will never let us down. Here's, here's another thing. It's, these are going to be a little easier than this, not, not so offensive probably. But the next thing, if we're going to grow deep, we've got to passionately pursue the word. There's some things that are pretty easy to passionately pursue, and we're all different in this. Now that school's back upon us, GU students are back in town or coming to town, uh, we're back at, at being comments in education, uh, homeschool's meeting in the building again, academia is all around us again, and some of you are like, man, I love that, I get fired up. That's very natural for you to pursue that. Others of you, it's athletics. Hey, the Comets are back on the football field. Soccer's back in gear. There's cross country. There's volleyball. There's all these things going on. I'll leave out some because we're passionate about all these different things. But some of you, that's just what's natural. How about those Cardinals? Pull holes, two home runs last night. Some of us just naturally fall into that. Others of you, it's about automobiles. It could be about anything. But I wonder if we naturally and passionately pursue God's word like we do things of this world. If you want to grow deep, there's a time when you say, I'm going to pursue this. It's, it really matters to me. We all have things we pursue. Last week, I shared with you about the time I met my wife, Tiffany. Strangely enough, if you follow the story, here's the reality. I met her in her hometown, in her home church, Streeter, Illinois, Central Church of Christ. I had just committed to a year-long internship at that church. I met her, and I made up in my mind, I said, I think I'll pursue her with passion. Now, I didn't tell her that right off the bat. 
There was two problems. One was I made a contract. I wouldn't date anyone from church. Little hiccup in the, in the pursuit. But secondly, this is even a bigger deal probably. I couldn't even pursue to get to know her very much because while I moved to town, she moved away to college. And so here I am uh, desiring to pursue her, but she's not there. So we started to have a relationship just to get to know each other. Not really a dating relationship, but just a relationship of, of getting to know each other, and I did it in an old school way. While she was gone at college, we began to communicate to develop our relationship. Now, you have to understand this was in, yes, the 90s. Anybody remember the 90s? <laughs> well, how did you communicate with her? Well, I'm sure you Skyped with her every day, right, or FaceTimed. We didn't have that. I didn't even have a cell phone. I want to remind you, I did not get my first cell phone until I had my first full-time job. Well, so I didn't call her on the phone. Why? Because I was staying at an elder's house. It'd be like me staying at Brian Grove's house, the chairman of the elders, and me racking up a phone bill in the 90s. I'd have been out, okay? So you know what I did every night when things were done? I got out my laptop that's about this thick, okay? And I plugged it into a portable modem in the house to the uh, dial-up network while the, the elder was already in bed. He wasn't going to be on the phone anymore. And I plugged it in, and it sounded a little bit like this. Listen to this, see if you can remember this. Remember that sound? You're wait, is it going to connect? Yes, it connected. Are you all excited? It, it, you guys remember that? This is how the communication for Tiffany and I began. And then if you were on AOL, uh, the little guy you're pursuing with passion, you're running, and then you connected. You were really excited because your friends were there, right? Those logos, man, they were high tech. Look at that. Look at all that, all that color. 8-bit probably, right? Now, here's the reality. Whenever I was connected, it, doesn't, it didn't mean it was over, though. Because Tiffany had not been connected, because she was in college, probably doing all these college things. But occasionally, when I'd be connected, I would be the surprise. I'd be late, waiting for the sound. I already heard the sound of the internet connecting. I would be waiting for her to come into the, the message, instant message room, where there were no pictures. It was just icons and, and text. But I was always looking for this sound, no matter where I was at in the house. I couldn't find it on the computer, but I found it on my phone. I just want you to listen to this sound. This is what I was listening for all those nights. Listen. Anybody remember that sound? When you would hear that sound, it meant that she opened the door to the room and she was ready to have a conversation. And you know what I'd do when I'd hear that sound? Maybe it was in the bathroom or the bedroom. You know what I'd do? I would log off and be like, it's time to go to bed, wouldn't I? No. I would sit at that computer and wait to have a conversation with the girl I was pursuing. Or would I hear that sound and turn on the TV and catch the, the, the latest episode, a rerun of Andy Griffith? No, I didn't do that. I gave my full attention to, to hearing from the person I was pursuing. I say all that to say with you, and you can catch a glimpse if you've ever been in a pursuit of a relationship. That is the way we're to pursue the Word of God with passion. Not, not with it on a shelf and saying, I'll open it next month or, or, or maybe next week, but, but on a regular basis. The, Psalms, the psalmist puts it this way in Psalms 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When, when, when can I go to meet with God? The psalmist is saying, God, I want to know you. I want to, be, I want to hear that sound of you drawing me in. I'm ready. My, my, my soul pants for you in, in, a, in a strong way. Are we that passionate for God's word? He says, when can I go to meet with you? This was a question the psalmist probably really struggled with because he didn't have a lot of text that he could read. 
He was really wanting to have a a connection with God spiritually. When, when can I meet with you? Here's the cool part about when can I go to meet with God? Every time you open his word. You don't have to wait for a ding. You don't have to, to, to wait for the internet to connect. You don't have to, to wait for you have electricity. There's so many things. We recently lost power at our house and at church. We shut down in our world. Guys, we can go before God and meet with him no matter the circumstances. And we need to pursue him with passion. That's how you're going to grow deep. It's really not that difficult. In fact, here's the next thing. It even gets simpler, so this is good. If you're not following along, here, maybe you can get this one. If you want to grow deep, we really got to read God's Word. I mean, really, read it. This summer, uh, Ben Allen preached on one of the Psalms, and we were just diving into about the importance of reading the Psalms. He says, if you want to know the Psalms, anybody remember what Ben said? Read the Psalms. And I would say much the same thing. If you want to know God, if you want to dive deep with Him, read His Word. Be very careful that you don't get caught up in just reading commentaries or Bible studies or, or books about God's Word. While those things can be helpful, the majority of your time diving deep with God needs to be in His Word. It doesn't have to be in a book like this. It can be on a device. It can be in audio form. But we have to spend time in His Word. You might say, well, what type of Word should we be reading? I would strongly suggest, uh, while not commentaries and just Bible studies, actually get a good translation of the Word. Uh, there are also paraphrases of word. And what a paraphrase version is one man's or one woman's thoughts about a text and they put it in their own words. That's dangerous. We need to make sure we're in a good translation like the King James Version or the NIV or the ESV like we have in the pews here at church or the New Living Translation. We used to be a church. I grew up in a church that went from King James to NIV. And now most churches in our movement are ESV or New Living Translation. Because in all honesty, the new versions of, King, of NIV are not as strong as they used to be. You didn't know they changed it, but the more and more they changed it, culture. But we need to let the word win, so we need to make sure we have a good translation. The NIV is still solid, but there are better translations. So let, you may say, well, what is the best translation? I want to read the very best translation for me. You know what the best translation is for you? One you'll read. Sometimes I've got eight translations, they're good, and you haven't read any of them for a year. We need to be reading God's Word. If you don't have a copy of God's Word that you can read, take one of these. Just take it. Today, uh, there's a bunch over on the pew, over on the chairs over there, they're in the pews. Take one. If you know a friend that needs a Bible, take one. Uh, be praying. Uh, ben Harris and I are developing a plan with John Wright, who spoke today. We're going to try to get a copy uh, through the Gideons into our students to give to one of their friends at school in September. In our goal, we're going to start praying that our students would give a Bible to one of their friends at school. Here's the thing. You can do that. How, how do we expect our students to do that if, if you're not willing to do that? If you know a friend that needs a Bible, give them one of ours. And just pray they would begin to read it. They would know God. There, there's benefit from it. Look at Psalms 119. David says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. We're all trying to live better and not sin. One of the greatest tools to resist temptation is putting God's word in our hearts. Jesus said this, if you hold to my teaching or you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is a reoccurring thing. The more we put God's word in our lives, it sets us free for living, from sin, from so much. But we've got to put in our lives his teachings, his word. Being spiritually strong is very similar to being physically healthy. Now, follow me on this. 
the older I get, the further I get away from 40, the harder it is to stay physically fit and, and, and just healthy. But you know what I've decided to do? Uh, most months I'll like eat two salads a month. I'll be like, why ain't, why ain't I healthy? You know, two, two salads a month, it, why, why isn't my body responding? Well, I'll eat all the junk the rest of the month long, okay? It is nutrition that makes us healthy. In a very similar way, we can't consume the Word of God once or twice a month and say, God, why aren't you changing my life? Why aren't I grow, growing to be more like Jesus? Why, why am I not able to resist sin? Now, I will admit there are times in my life where my physical body has been a little bit messed up, broken, or out of whack, and I have received a couple shots that in one dose of medicine corrected a lot that was going on. I also didn't sleep for two days, but that's a whole other story. The reality is there are times medicine can give us a big shot in the arm to change our lives. In much the same way, at times in our lives, we can read a passage and be like, this is a game changer. My life is forever changed, but you got to read it. But more times than not, you know what makes us healthy spiritually? is a constant, steady, nutritional diet of His Word that we read daily and on a regular basis. And we're nourished and we're strengthened. God's Word is amazing. Someone said about two months ago, well, Tyson, it really seems like we're pushing God's Word a lot. We're talking about the Bible. It really seems to be more of an emphasis than ever. What's going on? There's no apology that emphasis is on God's Word. I don't think you can overemphasize God's word. Now, I think you can have a wrong emphasis on it. In fact, there are churches that make being a Christian all about studying the word, and that's all they do. You know what that is? They're, they're, they're Bible uh, aware, but they're not doing anything. The more you read the Bible, you know what the Bible is going to tell you to do? To worship, to, to pray, uh, to serve, to, to have a joyful life, to resist sin. If your Bible reading just has you read the Bible, you're not reading the right part of the Bible. Bible reading is going to cause us to have action. And that's the next thing I want us to know. If we're going to grow deep, we're going to practice the Word of God. Not just read it. Look at what, look what James says. Do not merely listen to the Word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at his face goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently in the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So the Bible clearly says, read it and then do it. Those who consider themselves religious, yet do not keep tight rein on their tongues to see themselves, and their religion is worthless. He says, you can read all the word of God, but if you don't control your own words, it's, it's, all, it's a fake. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So here's some application, and it goes right into our day of service. You know, you know the main people, the first round, uh, the baseline of people we're going to serve according to this scripture? Widows and orphans. Single moms, single grandmothers who, who, who need a little bit of help, uh, boys and girls who aren't living with their mom and dad, we're going to focus on those needs. So if you know uh, a single mom or a widow that, that has a need, make sure we know. We're going to partner with the Restore Network to, to do some things, some amazing things for uh, boys and girls who are not living with mom and dad, who are on their own in some ways. And on the day of service, we're going to try to go beyond that and meet people's needs that can't serve themselves. So if you have a need or you know someone has a need, let us know. Because on the day of service, we're going to try to put into action immediately after we worship together what God would have us do. Can it just be September 25th? I hope not. I sure don't think so. 
So what are you going to do today to put the Word of God into action? Don't just be hearers of the Word, be doers of the Word. There's one last thing that I want to challenge you with today, maybe the most important. We're going to grow deep in the Word by meeting Jesus. We all come to God in a little different ways. Spirituality is not something you can just say one plus one equals two. But, but drawing close to God uh, can come a number of different ways, and we often do it privately. There are times whenever I've been worshiping God, whether it's with you in this place or on a retreat or in my car alone, and God reveals himself, and, and I have this great time of worship and praise and, and peace before him in his presence. It's amazing. Yours may be different. Maybe it's the exact same. There's other times when I can be praying, whether by myself or in groups of 100, and it feels like I'm right there with God, just him and I. But you know, in all of those spiritual experiences where I can draw near to God, the grounding factor is regular, spending regular time in His Word and being with Jesus. Since January, I've recommitted to being God's Word every morning. Very first thing, often before I get a drink, before I brush my teeth, even before I turn the light, I'll get my phone out and go to the scripture that we're sharing in together as a family, and I'll ask God, hey, God, what are you revealing to me today? What do I need to change about my life? How is Jesus being shown to me in this passage? And I ponder it. And you know, an amazing thing has happened since January. I have become more confident and, and, and more uh, just fully aware that God has a word for me every day, every time I open this, because his word is alive and active to grow us, to prepare us for his will and his purpose. And every time we open it, we can be with Jesus because he is the word. I want to end with this. In John chapter 1, here's what the Gospel of John says. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You're like, okay, what word is he talking about? Well, it goes on to explain. Praise God. Look what it says. And the word became flesh. So the word that was with God became flesh, and he dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the father's side he has made him known so what god has done through his word was given it to us in the text form but he's also given it to us in the flesh in jesus so what's what's a miraculous thing is when we read the word we're with jesus and and when the word became flesh he became our savior and there will be a day for those who believe what the Word says, the good news that Jesus came uh, to die for our sins and, and was crucified on the cross and was buried and, and is risen and is coming again. For those who believe that and are changed by that, we will be with Him forever. Today, if you are ready to make that decision that, that Jesus is who He says He is and you can trust Him, we welcome that. Would you stand with us as we prepare to sing? I'm going to pray. And if you would like to give your life to Jesus, if you would like to make that confession of faith that you believe He's the Son, the Messiah, the one that, that God sent in the form of the Word and the form of the flesh to be our Savior, and we welcome that. That's what unites us. Father in heaven, thank you for today. I thank you for your word in the Bible form. I thank you for the word in Jesus. I thank you that he saves us. Father, if there's someone here today that
has just opened it up just a little bit, maybe in their hearts, man, I pray that you would fully begin to reveal yourself to them and they would be open to to following Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.